Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have an interesting one for you. We're going to talk about divorce. We're going to talk with Alexandra Eva May. After the devastation of her own divorce, she started speaking out about how the experience impacted her life. She quickly realized there were many others out there just like her and found true solace in connecting with other divorce warriors. She emerged from the entire experience with newfound hope, self-love, happiness, and optimism. Soon after, Alexandra founded the blog, The Splendid Path, which features articles about divorce, specifically the complicated emotions that arise from such a life-changing experience. On the blog, readers will also find articles on mental health, self-care, infertility, health, and lifestyle written by Alexandra as well as other guest authors. In addition to blogging, Alexandra is a writer, motivator, teacher, mental health advocate, wellness warrior, and speaker. Currently, she's working on a book all about her feeling journey after her own divorce. The book is set to be released in the fall of 2021. Alexandra resides in Alberta, Canada, and you can find her on both Instagram and Pinterest at The Splendid Path. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. With us today is an expert on divorce and how to deal, cope, handle all those wonderful words on that really big struggle. But I don't want to take her thunder away. Alexandra, can you introduce yourself? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Alexandra Eva May. Uh, I live up in Alberta, Canada. And as you mentioned, yeah, I I guess I'm an expert on it, and mainly because of my lived experience. I've been through it. I write, I blog, all the things. So thank you so much for having me today. Of course, you know, I found your podcast through other people's podcasts, your 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 page through other people's podcasts. And I felt I felt I have to bring this to my listeners because, you know, relationships are something that impact a lot of us. Oh, yeah. you know, our friendships, our marriages, our our um our children, our parents, you know, all those kind of things tie into it. But I think that an untapped thing that is a huge rate in today's day and age is divorce and how to handle that. So what goes into kind of, I know you call it this, so I'm only using the term because you use it, the trauma of a divorce. Yeah. I, uh, I, when I was going through my own a few years ago, um, I, I had trouble finding information, I guess that was relevant to me that explained kind of the experience to me. Um, mainly because I was going through so many men, like so much mental health stuff. And I didn't really kind of know why, uh, because, you know, I think divorce is kind of like represented as sort of, you know, they say 50, 50, you know, 50% people go through it. I don't know what the actual stat is. So it seemed kind of just like, Oh, you might go through it. So it doesn't, it's not, I, I don't think a lot of, Import or importance is put on it anyway. So I was going through all these mental health things, and then um, after you know some time and reflection and more research and my own therapy, I realized you know it's actually a really traumatic experience. And so yeah, it's for there's for sure trauma associated with divorce uh, because there's so much loss associated with it. 
Yeah, we're going to get into that afterwards. You kind of just touched on my next point. But just to identify and to clarify, because one of the biggest things that I like to do as a therapist and on this podcast is clarify terms that we're using. Because I think we use a lot of big words and things that are thrown around a lot. Trauma is not just, let's say, for big example, extreme example, 9-11. Trauma is not you going through war. Trauma is any extreme emotional, physical, or psychological change or distress that could be either one time or multiple times. Um, And it doesn't look the same for each person. So for us to first identify that trauma, right? Divorce definitely can be traumatizing because of how it can impact our totality of who we are. And you just touched on something that I think not a lot of people talk a lot about is that it might seem obvious to, to people who are in the mental health world or mental health professionals. And we talk about this concept called grief, right? That, that really people think of as death, but it could be also including a loss of a relationship. Can you kind of talk for a little bit about what that loss is and how it might impact someone's life? Yeah. So the, uh, just to touch on that trauma a little bit more, like when you talked about that, that kind of brought up something. It also, when we think of trauma too, it's like, it's a threat to what we know our life to be, I guess. It's a threat to our livelihood. And like you mentioned, um, with divorce, all of a sudden you had this idea of what your life would be like, and then all of a sudden that's just ripped away from you. So it's like this threat to what, yeah, what your life, what you think it will be. And so that's kind of just to add to that, in regards to grief uh, with with divorce, so yeah, you're grieving, obviously, your relationship, your spouse, you've lost that, but there are so many pieces to your grief when you go through divorce because you're losing not just your spouse, you're losing possibly that person was your best friend, you're losing a lot of people lose their homes through it, they have to move, you might be losing 50% or 100% time with your kids. And that could be reduced to 50% or for some people, even less. You're losing, a lot of people lose more than all their money. A lot of people might go into debt with their divorce or bankruptcy. You're losing friends uh, because, you know, we say that people shouldn't pick sides, but people do ultimately pick sides in divorce. So you lose often a lot of friends. You're losing half of your family, like all of your in-laws. And for some people, maybe that's a a bonus, but for a lot of people, it's actually really hard because they've been a family with these people for so long. Uh, You're losing possibly a lot of treasured possessions because Maybe you have to sell things for for money or just because they are reminding you of your past and you just want to get rid of them. But there's also loss there. So there's just, and there's more, there's just so much loss. So the grief of divorce, it's, it's not just grieving that relationship. You have to grieve all of this other loss. And then, like I mentioned, you're losing what you thought your life would look like. And there's grief associated with that too. And, yeah, and so, yeah, and with, go on. Sorry. And with that, like the idea of loss of, of self, of your definition and evaluation of who you are. Because, um, and, and and I don't know if we're, we're talking about two different types of divorce, right? There's the easy type where it's like amicable and, and respectful and nice and, and clean. Um, it's, there's still loss and trauma and grief in that divorce as well. It doesn't have to be the ugly fight uh, or the ugly divorce that we see on TV and really actually happens often um, because you're dealing with two people and their emotions 
and their own head space and what they're going through and and the 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 distress and frustrations that go into a divorce. So we're not just talking about that one. We're talking about also the clean one, the easy one. That can also bring out a lot of loss as well. Mm-hmm. Because even if you are am, amicable, <laughs> word. hard word. I I, I stumbled right. on it. <laughs> even if it's, I'm just gonna stick with clean. Even if it's a clean divorce, and you that's think, why I went with clean. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're merrily on your way, and this is perfect for you. You know that might seem in the moment, and then you could wake up, say, five or six months later, and realize, holy, holy, I'm, I'm divorced, and it, the loss could hit you later on or it's like when you're sitting there watching I don't know dancing with the stars or something (laughs) and that was something you used to do with your spouse and then all of a sudden you just find yourself crying because even though you knew that it was the right decision uh, sometimes it doesn't hit till later on it's kind of like and I mean these are totally different experiences but it is sort of a little bit like death because you well there's a quote I heard once uh, divorce is death without a body All, all of a sudden, it might not hit right away either. Even if you knew it was coming, it might not hit till, like I said, down the line. You're just sitting there one day, like I said, doing what you used to do with your spouse, and all of a sudden you just miss that person so much, even though you know it's for the best, or you miss your life. Yeah, I think that's a big part of divorce is missing that life that you had and the life that you had created together, and that's there's a lot to it. There's so many just, layers. Yeah, There's so many layers because yeah. it can impact your friend group. It can impact um, if you have children, it can impact how that looks. And we'll talk about co-parenting later on, but I want to touch upon, you know, as a therapist, I'm in the world of understanding human emotion and struggle. It, it's what I do every day and, and divorce can truly plague and, and mess with someone's, like I said earlier, self-evaluation, mental clarity, and general mental health. Can you maybe touch upon some of those struggles from a mental health perspective? I know you talk a lot about it, a lot about it on your blog, um, about the mental health side of a divorce and some of the things that maybe you have gone through that you would like to share. So for me, there was um, things that also happened in my marriage that were extremely toxic um, that I didn't know at the time till the till I was out of the marriage. Uh, so I went through episodes of verbal abuse and I just didn't realize how much they impacted me till later on. So uh, that was also associated with my mental health struggle. And I know a lot of people that um, go through what kind of that experience within their marriage, the mental health stuff with that might not hit until later. So I did have to work through that as well. But following my divorce, I, you know, I was in a place of like thinking, this is the right decision. Like I need to, I need to do this. And and then all of a sudden, I just, it, it kind of just kind of swept over me. And I got pulled into a pretty dark depression for about a year, um, as well as episodes of anxiety. Uh, and at the time when it was happening, I, I just had no idea kind of what was going on or why it was happening. And I felt, and I, I don't like to use this word uh, loosely, and I don't want anyone to be offended, but for lack of a better words for myself, I, I just felt crazy because I, I just, I, I had never experienced it before. And then, you know, going to therapy and working through it, I realized, yeah, I, I had been pulled into this depression. And when I kind of learned more about it, you know, depression can be formed. Um, there's like different types of depression. There's the chemical imbalance where, that's very much a biological condition, but then there's also situational depression where you can go through a situation of extreme, 
where your livelihood is extremely threatened and it can create a depression. And that's kind of what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And I, at the time I felt really embarrassed and ashamed about it. Um, I wasn't doing any online work. Like now I'm, I'm (laughs) open book. So I sort of talk about everything when I'm struggling and all the things. So I feel very open to talk about it now. And I think I'd be way more equipped to deal with it if, if I were to go through mental health stuff again. But at the time I didn't talk. I felt really embarrassed. I was a very proud person, that kind of thing. And I was also feeling a lot of shame about the divorce itself. So I kind of just suffered through it by myself. That's actually why I started blogging because I was trying to reach out to other people suffering. Um, But yeah, it was a really dark time. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate your openness because one of the things that I've noticed as a therapist and as just a human being, general human being, um, there are certain topics that become stigmatized or taboo because they're very intimate. So for example, uh, my wife and I went through infertility. Mm, People don't talk about that very openly because it's like what happens in your bedroom. And I think divorce falls into that category, even though people know about it. It is very, 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 very common. I don't know the exact numbers now, but I think it's over like 50 something percent, Mm -hmm. which is just a scary thought for anyone who's in a relationship. Uh, It doesn't mean it's going to happen to you. It just means that it's a very high rate of divorce. And I I think back in the day when the numbers were lower, I think in a uh, Judeo-Christian kind of style of marriages, and that value system, it was like divorce was like death. Like yeah. you cannot be divorced. It's a, you don't do that, you know, and, and no matter how unhappy you could be or how unhappy you were back in the day, um, whether it's my parents, grandparents, you don't get divorced. It just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is this shift of, of being more individual and saying, no, like this is not healthy. This is not good for me. This is not right. And I think when it comes to divorce for the right reasons, when it really is unhealthy, when it really is detrimental, when it really is something that is just not livable, I'm not talking about, you know, your husband's farts are too smelly or like you like your bed colder, or hot, like those things are not reasons to get divorced over. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Not. Maybe I'm touching a little too close to home having Crohn's <laughs> with the fart thing, but, um, but those things are not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about legitimate issues. Those things, whether it's lack of respect, uh, abuse, um, if your if your spouse is treating your children in an unhealthy, negative way, um, if you aren't treated the way that is respectful and needed, those are things that need to be first have a conversation, have a communication, go for help. But if it is not able to be helped, you need to get help to get out. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to get out sometimes. Um, and there's so many resources. Thank God now on people who are in abusive relationships and unhealthy relationships to help them get out because it's not so simple. You know, something I hear a lot from the outside world who don't understand mental health is like, oh, if you're in an abusive relationship, just get out. Why is it so hard for you? Just leave. For those who don't know, it's not simple. You are tethered to this person for many reasons other than the, the abuse. That's one part of the relationship, but there are other parts of you that love that person, that care that about that person, who are connected to that person that you as an outsider will never understand. It seems pretty simple from an outside perspective, 
Um, can you talk about that a little bit about that balance, that fight internally of like, I love this person, but this is not right right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, just to, just to you touched on infertility. That's also something I went through, so I totally get that as well. We can talk about that at a later time. But um, in regards to your question, so and if you think about abuse and all that. Um, just to first say like abuse is, yeah, like you mentioned, extremely complicated and just because someone does things or says things that are horrible, they're not a horrible person. And a lot of people, I think that's the assumption. And a lot of people in relationships with someone who's abusive will not focus on the abusive acts. They will focus on, well, he, he's, or he or she is this and, or he like the good things about the person. So it's really complicated. It's not just like, why, why don't you just leave? I mean, the question should actually be, why is that person abusing their spouse or their partner? But, and also a lot of times in abusive relationships, there's an imbalance of power, right? So they don't, maybe they don't, um, have financial stability and so that they stay or they have kids together so it is very complicated it's definitely not black and white um, but in regards to knowing it's right but also see, feeling like I you know I don't know if I'm ready to leave uh, I you mentioned also um, religion and I come from a Catholic background and I think in my extended family and I have quite a big extended family there might be now there's I think three divorces maybe four but at the time when I split up there was like two and people just in my family don't get divorced they just stay together um there's a lot of Catholic guilt that's what I call it uh and I felt so much shame about it and um my mom even she kind of took it like it was a a a problem our whole family had to face like it was just really hard um so in regards to people that are in a marriage and they have a religious background, there's that layer too when you're trying to leave. Um, But for me, I knew it wasn't the right relationship. I knew he wasn't right for me. Um, I had mentioned already on this show kind of some of the things he did, but again, he wasn't a monster. He was, you know, there was, he was my best friend. We, we um, laughed. He was so funny. He was such a smart guy, but yet he, you know, like I said, there could be verbal abuse. And so, for me, when I left, I, it was really hard. I think that was part of it. Cause I would, you know, you remember the good stuff and I would think about, Oh, well, he, you know, he's this and that, but then I also remembered, but he's also abusive. And it was just a, I know with abuse and abusers, people can change, but it takes a very specific therapy to change. It takes very targeted work to change and someone has to want to change and my ex wasn't that type of person. Like I knew he just, he wouldn't go to therapy and he wouldn't, you know, be part of that. And so it was just this very, this personality difference that just would exist forever. And I would be in a toxic place. And so even though he made me laugh and even though he was smart and we got along and had a pretty good relationship, there was also this really dark part of the relationship. So on, in those times when I felt like when I regretted and I thought maybe I should go back and I tried to just focus on why the relationship was not serving me and where I saw my life in 20 years. Like, I think sometimes when you're going through divorce and you think, oh, I could go back, you're really just thinking in the present moment or the year instead of thinking 20 years down the line, where do you want to be? What's your ideal 
place? Is it by yourself? Is it in another relationship? If it's in a relationship, what does that look like? And is that what you're getting from your marriage? And if it isn't, you know, marriage is supposed to last forever. It's not just a year thing or a five-year thing. So if you've left and in 20 years, you don't want to see yourself in that situation again, then you just got to keep moving forward and, and know that it'll be dark for a while, but it will get better. I'm, I'm glad you painted that picture um, and kind of talked about the, the, the dual side of, of dealing with a divorce or dealing with a loss because they don't have to be monsters for it to not be right. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I think there's a misconception like this for there to be a divorce. It has to be like this monstrosity of a human being. Um, and that's not true. Uh, I think it can be just not the right person. Or like you said, looking 20 years from now. Um, and I think a lot of it is short-sighted when we kind of, oh, I'll go back. We'll make it work. But a lot of times you need to do the hard work in a, in a couple's counseling. You know, I, I work with couples all the time. I'm a therapist. I work with couples. I work with individuals who are going through divorce or relationship issues or struggles. Um, one of the biggest things I say when I start working with someone and and maybe this is a weird thing to start off a a couple's therapy with is that I tell them that I cannot fix their marriage. I am not the one who's going to fix their marriage. I'm not a magic pill. I'm not Harry Potter with a magic wand, even though I kind of look like him sometimes. (laughs) I can't, I can't have this magic serum or formula that's going to fix your marriage. I can help observe, help bring um, ideas, concepts, communication styles, um, thoughts, But in the end, the couple needs to want to work on it. The couple needs to do the work. And I've dealt with plenty of couples where one of the people, unfortunately, usually the the wife is willing to do a lot of the work and the husband's not. Um, From my experience of working with couples so far, uh, being a therapist for a little over three years, um, that doesn't work. It needs to be both. Mm -hmm. You need both people to be giving their 100%, not 50-50, hundred percent of their effort to make a change. And if they don't want that change, if they don't want to make that effort, if they don't put in that time, it will not work out the way you might, might want it to work out ideally, or in your, your thoughts and in your, you know, beautiful, magical future that you're expecting. Um, and, and I think a lot of it comes down to expectation, whether we have expectations from our parents, how their marriage was expectations from our religion, our culture, and what we learn from that and how that impacts what we, our view of marriage is. Um, the movies, TV, and what we see, whether it's I Love Lucy or uh, Modern Family or even The Simpsons. I don't know where you're getting your information from, right, about marriage. Yeah. We all learn, but we need to kind of accept what we want and discuss that with your partner before you get married. Mm-hmm. Communicate. What does my family want to look like? What is our relationship going to look like? And of course, we can't think of every single scenario because that's impossible, you know, but it's about really having open, honest conversation about what you need and what you want in a relationship and communicate it constantly. Um, Mm -hmm. And if it gets, if it doesn't come out the way you want it to internally, how your value system, not based on external things, but what you want, then that's when you need to have a card to conversation about divorce. And I think also a big part of it is also how do you deal with conflict? And is the other person okay with your style of dealing with conflict? Um, at least for me, I know. Conflict will my, happen. Yeah, exactly. Even in the healthiest and, marriage. Right? Yeah. And my ex and I dealt with conflict very, very differently. 
and um, it just wasn't, I guess, okay with me. And I, I'm just comparing it now to my kind of relationship I'm in now, which is in a much healthier relationship. It's a good relationship, but we get in conflicts. And, you know, I'm in a relationship now where when we do get in a conflict, yeah, people get mad, but we're both, I, I don't know if this is the right term, but like fighting together versus fighting at each other and, and fighting against each other. I love no that. One, yeah, we fight together. Like no one's the enemy. And yeah, people say things sometimes they don't mean or, you know, can get heated, but we're always, we're, we are quick to resolve it. Like we don't try to let things linger. We, nobody like leaves or if we, if someone needs to cool down, they say, you know what, I just need a moment. Uh, we can't talk right now. So there's that like security and safety. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes with people that end up divorced, it's a lot also like they don't deal with conflict the same way. Someone might shut down. Someone might leave for hours on end and the other person yeah. doesn't know if they're coming back. Mm-hmm. Someone's name calling. Like I think conflict can really tear people apart too, because like you said, it's going to happen. So you kind of have to have a similar style there or, know that you're always yeah fighting together <laughs> I like that i like that fighting together not fighting against each other now yeah. i want to talk about the next step the next stage mm-hmm. right you talk about on your blog that gratitude saved your life um mm-hmm. so the first part of this this kind of question is let's talk about gratitude and how that happened and also the second part is then how do you heal in other ways other than gratitude from a divorce so i was in such a dark place and with mental health there are there are situations where you definitely need medicine and I'm definitely all for people. If they need to see a psychiatrist and be prescribed something that will save their life. That's perfect. You know, obviously working with professionals, but mine, it, it occurred because, because of a situation. So in my mind, I thought, you know what, I haven't suffered from this since I was a teenager child. This I can identify. I think the issue, I think I can work through it without having to, uh, go the route of pharmaceuticals. And I wanted to try things be, before I went that route. And if I had to go that route, I would, but I wanted to try things. And so my therapist at the time had actually recommended gratitude. And it seems like such a kind of silly thing when you say it, but I thought, why not? Let's give it a go. Um, and I was living in such a dark place. I was just focusing on all these horrible, like these ideas in my head that were really bad. So I, she, she recommended, you know, start with one thing a day that you're thankful for. So I thought, okay, like I can do that. I can try. And so it started really simple, like my cup of coffee, you know, I know it seems simple and like a a given, but some people don't have coffee every day. So I thought I'll start there. And then I eventually worked up to, I think three or four things a day. I would think every day and I would think it in my head. I'd say it out loud and then I'd write it down in a journal and I made it kind of a habit. So I do it first thing in the day. That's what worked for me. Some people like to do it at the end of the day, but I would do it first thing in the day, kind of get started in a good place. And what I found was when I started focusing on those things I was thankful for, that I gratitude for, it kind of, it just, a positivity sort of washed over me in general. I started to appreciate everything in my life as kind of a gift. And when you start to look at, even in the darkness, you look at all these things that you have that still are there, all these blessings in your life, it really shifts your overall perspective. So when you're going through a divorce, you could continually focus on I'm alone. That's definitely a narrative you could paint for yourself. And it is true. Like I'm alone, I'm alone, but that's a very dark narrative to paint. Instead, if you turn it around to I'm thankful for this space to rediscover myself, and you say that enough times, <laughs> so it, it can start to kind of like 
become your truth. And I think that's what gratitude is about is um, noticing how sweet life can be and all Mm -hmm. the beauty in life, even when horrible things are happening around you. If you can notice those beautiful things and shift your perspective a little bit, it can just make you happier. It's like tricking the mind. (laughs) I don't know. It's a a nice little trick, you know, and and it really stems from a concept called CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy, when you're basically really trying to create a healthier thought pattern mm-hmm. of adding more gratitude in your life, it just starts off more positively the thought because people don't like to realize this or don't want to know that we all have negative thoughts automatically. It happens in life. Our brains are wired to do that. It's a safety precaution. It protects us from dying. Um, to be worried, to be on edge, to be concerned, to be pessimistic a little bit, to be cognizant of, of the negative. That happens automatically. It's the next thought. What do you do with that thought? Right? There's turbulence on the plane. Oh no, we're going down. Are you really going down? No. You know, <laughs> the tra- you're in New York and the subway stops for a second. We're going to be stuck here forever. Probably not. <laughs> right? So all those little things, we all have negative thoughts. You're stuck in traffic. Oh, this is the worst. We all have those thoughts. Mm-hmm. But it's really about how do we break that cycle and it's not a fluffy thing, right? like just adding more gratitude. It's not a fluffy thing. It's a realistic thing that can help create healthier patterns in your brain to, there's a cute like um, saying in the uh, neurological world, like fire to get, wire together, fire together, fire together, wire together, right? The more you create a firing in your brain of neurons, a certain connection, they will then connect. Um. Yeah. It's like those who work out together, stay together. One of those cute things people say (laughs) in couples. Um, Same thing goes with your neurological patterns. The more that you create that pattern, the more you go over it and over it, they wire together and they stick. Um, So I love that gratitude part very much. I'm a big gratitude person. Uh, I pray every day. You know, I I try to, to look at the positives. I'm not always the best at it, but I try to be more my, my heart and mind be more open to, to gr- being grateful for the life I have. Like, for example, we're all in the pandemic right now. Um, and it sucks. It's painful. Yeah. It's sad. There's loss. There's death. There's change. It's, it's, it's not easy by any means. But that can be crushing. So for me, I look at the positives as much as I can. Like, I get to spend more time with my daughter. I get to be see my wife every day more than I would normally. I don't have to drive to work and be in traffic. You yeah. know, all those things. Yeah, pandemic sucks. It's true. It's true. But we need to look at sometimes silver lining, kind of that gratitude to help bring us up or out of the depths of despair like you did. And I love that you, you write about that. Um, you know, after you do that, you just talked about quickly that you're in a relationship. We're not going to get into the ins and out of your relationship because that's not here nor there, not our business. But how do you move forward then? You've been, let's say in a relationship two, five, 10, 15, 20 years. You define yourself by that. You define yourself by that, your relationship style by that, your sexual style by that, your intimacy, your communication, everything is defined by that relationship that now is over. How do you move forward? How do you then start fresh or start new? So, yeah, I think a lot of people kind of struggle with that. I'd like be scared. Said, yeah, yeah. I think they really identify as part of a couple. And 
not just a couple, but that specific couple, like you and whoever were together. And yeah, a, a lot of your life is around being in that couple. And especially if you've been married for a really long time or together for a long time. Um, and, you know, I, I think the period after you split up is a great period to kind of just rediscover yourself. Um, there were some truths that were told to me in my marriage that actually ended up being totally untrue about who I am. So that was, you know, I had to work through myself. And so, you know, there's possibly things that you believe about yourself that actually aren't true, um, that you also have to work through. So I think during that period, you just kind of have to rediscover yourself. And that looks like, um, you know, spending time with your friends or making new friends, new connections, uh, exploring hobbies that you've always kind of like thought, I want to like pursue this, but maybe that never had the money or the time, or you just didn't have the courage. So it's kind of like making space for those, those things that you want to explore in your life. Traveling is incredible. I mean, we can't right now with the pandemic, but uh, hopefully in the next few years that will change. And so travel, if you could travel, that's amazing. Or even just a weekend trip, maybe, to a, a place close by if, if that's allowed where you live yeah. um things like that journaling like i that's kind of a big part of why i wrote was i just needed to get it out there and i decided to do it online but journaling just private journaling can really uncover some truths Therapy. You know, yeah like for the people who are listening you don't have to then just open your heart to online just because <laughs> no. alexandra did it and it worked for her <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's not an open, you know, like, hey, everyone write your inner feelings and be, you know, it's important <laughs> to be vulnerable and share and be open, but not everyone's going to want to open up online. You know what I mean? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. Not for everyone. Um, <laughs> and so you could just journal and with journaling, like some people like to read it back, but some people just need to get stuff out and then they can throw it away. Uh, but journaling really helps you kind of get things out about yourself. And I think just making space to just sit with yourself and, um, some of the other things that really help with the healing, I found also like uh, going in nature. I think there's not nearly enough stress in our modern dialogue or narrative about how impactful the connection with a natural world can be on healing. It's it's kind of, it's just like energy. The earth produces energy. I can't explain it. I'm not an earth scientist or any of that, but I think I think we live so much of our lives indoors that we are on concrete or we don't really maybe understand maybe what we're missing by going outside so just like going outside and I would do that and it would release these like pent-up emotions that help me kind of get them out there so that's well, there is science thing. behind that actually yeah I know. science yeah. on the study of positive psychology and uh the impact of happiness and one of the, the like the equations of happiness is your surroundings yeah um so and nature and outdoors that's why people statistically are happier in let's say uh, more tropical or outdoorsy neighborhoods or outdoorsy um, states or countries, states in America, countries in the world, uh, because it just breeds more appreciation, more energy, more love, more um, connection to the outdoors other than like living in the city um, where all you see is the concrete jungle. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't be happy that way, but there are statistics and and studies that show and research that show that that also can create a different level and depth to happiness. So a hundred percent. I love that and one. I read this study. I don't know if it's an American or Canadian study, but they did a study on kids and uh, kids that were exposed to at least a half an hour of outside time a day. There, there was like a drastic reduction in ADHD in kids that had it and anxiety in children that were diagnosed with that. So it just, yeah, there's definitely science behind it. My sister's a, she's getting her forest therapy training actually too. So she talks to me about it. Very cool. Um, 
And then, but beyond that, also a, a big thing for me that really helped kind of move past, I guess, being sad to and, and being in that dark place to being in a better place was connecting with other people who had lived my experience. So like your friends and your family, like they, they can understand to a degree. I mean, most people have been through a breakup, but if you haven't been through a divorce, it's really hard to fully understand it. It's why support groups work when you have say, and this is a totally different example, but like Alcoholics Anonymous or support support groups for spouses of people with cancer, it's very specific, but it helps because other people that are living through that can understand your experience. So for me, that's actually why I went online in the first place because I felt so alone. Nobody in my life had been through divorce. Nobody in my life had been through divorce without kids. I just felt so alone and I needed to connect with others. And so I went to social media, I went to Instagram and I was able to connect with other people and it really, really helped me feel not alone. So yeah, I I know we started kind of talking about um, how do you bridge the gap, but I guess there was some tips for healing in there too. No, I, I love it. I lo- you, know, you know, don't apologize for, for adding more content. That's great. Um, <laughs> you know, this might be a hard question to answer, um, but if you have any ideas or thoughts on this, you talk about, you know, giving yourself time to heal. When is like a sign that you are ready to date again or to be in another relationship? Mm. So for me, I hindsight is 2020, I think is the saying. I dated too soon. And I definitely got out there too quick because just because I know from the people I was dating and I know what I was still going through. So I think if you're still really grieving the end of your marriage, even if you feel like it's time to get back out there, it's not time to get back out there. Um, because you are going to bring in your baggage and your pain into new dating opportunities. And you're also going to see people with a very uh, blurred lens because there's stuff you still have to work through. So I think at any point, if you still feel like crying in your bed over your divorce, that kind of thing, or you're still really, you know, you're in a dark place, just focus on healing. I think um, if you get to a place where you know that hey, I'm not suffering anymore. Like you can look at your divorce as very neutral. Like you can look at it like, you know, this experience happened, it shaped me, but like, I'm pretty neutral about it. But I don't know any other word to describe it, but you're kind of in a place of like, okay, like it's kind of, it is what it is. I think when you get to that place, then, you, then you're then you kind of pretty good to start dating. And I think um, if you're not dating out of loneliness, if you're dating out of a place of, I think if people that date too soon, which was me, <laughs> I was very lonely and I was trying to fill a void. So that's also a sign you're not ready. I think if you have worked through all that loneliness and you're really okay with just being alone and you love your single life and you're really okay with it, but you you kind of, you want to start dating again, that's a really good sign too, mm-hmm. that you're not looking to fill a void, love that, that you're, you're, you just want to, you're ready to meet interesting people and maybe a relationship will form or maybe you'll just date a bunch of people and get to know people. And then, you know, the last couple of questions, but then how do you, when you're in that next relationship, what are some tips on not letting the past relationship impact your current relationship? So you can actually be in that relationship that you're currently in comparing all that kind of stuff or like, do you open up? How do you tell someone? Um, How do you make sure it doesn't happen again? All those kind of things. So I think I am a big, like I've said, I think once or twice here, I'm a big believer in therapy. 
I think therapy can really help you understand um, boundaries, I guess, <laughs> with your next partner. Um, I, with my, I'm excuse my relationship that I'm in right now as an example, we actually both went through divorce. So that was kind of neat. It was neat to have that experience because he, because he's been through it, he was open to hearing about mine. And because I've been through it, I'm open to hearing about his because I understand it's not that he's hung up on her or I'm hung up on my ex. It's just, we have this shared experience. So we, we would talk about it. So I'm just in kind of that fortunate place. Um, but I think it's important to kind of check yourself. So if you find, I think sometimes it can come up in conflicts, your old patterns creeping up and you're, especially if your new partner brings it up, like I'm not your ex, you need to like, you need to hear that. And you need to acknowledge that like you're possibly doing things or saying things that you don't even realize that you're like putting on your new partner. I think you really need to listen to your partner and not be offended by it. Kind of take it in. Don't be defensive about it. And just really acknowledge like they're a different person and your relationship is going to be very different with them and different is not bad. And so I think just being open to listening to your partner and you can even ask them, like you could talk about it if, and if you're in the right relationship, you should be able to ask, like, am I, you know, I used to do this with my ex, am I doing it here? And if they get offended by that, or they don't want to hear about it, then maybe they're not the right person for you because they have to, you know, everyone has to understand you have a past. That's kind of, it's part of who you are now. And it's not all of who you are, but it's shaped your path. And especially if you were married for a very, very long time, it took up a, a significant chunk in your life. So I think even just asking your partner, like, hey, this used to happen with my ex. I'm really sorry. Like, is it happening here? Um, and that they're usually able to identify that for you. I love that idea that you said different is not bad. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a, that's a good, good thing for people to hear. Um, and also to be just communicative, to, to share and talk, be honest and, and be able to hear, like, I'm not your ex. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. You know, uh, this is different. Um, to wrap up, because this is, you know, we could talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah. um, what are some words of encouragement or things that you would love or would have loved to hear when you were going through your divorce for those who might be listening? So just holding on to the idea that it will get better because when you're going through it, it can be really dark. It can be really hard. It can be really painful and it can be super easy to live in that place of thinking, this is how it's always going to be. I'm never going to, I can't move on. I'm never going to move on. I'm, I'm just going to be in this place forever. It will get better. And if you, you know, don't do the work to, you know, help yourself heal. If you stay in that place, you're cheating yourself out of like the beauty that is in the next chapter. And you have no idea what's coming your way. Um, after my split, I, I traveled to Europe. I traveled to South America. I never would have done that in my marriage. I ended up meeting a ton of new interesting people through dating. That never would have happened. And I ended up like my now partner. It's a much healthier, better partnership. Um, I found love again. So all these beautiful things never would have happened if I hadn't gone through my divorce. So I guess just know that it will get better and that there is a lot of beauty ahead of you. And just to keep hanging on to that and um and lean on pe- lean on people when you feel like falling apart lean on the people around you to kind of pick you back up 
think that's a really important piece to kind of talk about and, and, and off on. I think, you know, for me, just the piece of advice I would give is be patient. Mm-hmm. Be patient with yourself. Give yourself time to heal. Be patient with the process. And be confident that you are doing this for an important reason. You're not doing it as a cop-out. You're not a failure. You don't suck. You're not the worst person. Yes, there probably is some shame and guilt in leaving a marriage or ending a marriage, but that doesn't mean it isn't the right thing for you. A hundred percent. So make sure that you are, first of all, get help, right? Whether it's with the marriage while you're in it, whether it's post-divorce, go get therapy, talk it out with someone, help someone, talk to an objective person who can help you process those feelings and emotions and be patient with yourself, but also be confident in your decision that it was for the right thing and that there's nothing wrong with you for having a divorce. There's nothing, you're not ruined goods or terrible being just because you're divorced. Uh, you're just like everyone else who's <laughs> no, gone through divorce. Definitely not. What'd you say? Yeah. There's a lot of divorce warriors out there. I said, there's a lot of divorce warriors out there. You're not yeah. alone. And thousand percent. Yeah. And now, now for all those listeners who have maybe have gone through divorce, uh, you have someone in your corner other than me, you have Alexandra who can help you. <laughs> Um, with her amazing blog. Alexandra, where can people find you? If they would like to reach out, talk to you, chat with you, gain some resources, where can they find you? Uh, I'm mostly on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at The Splendid Path. Uh, I also I do a little bit on Pinterest, same um, hash or same account at The Splendid Path, a little bit on Twitter, and then on my blog, www.thesplendidpath.com. And this fall, I have a book coming out all about healing after divorce. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of that. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some wonderful insights, personal experiences, and uh, opening up a lot more to our listeners about the struggles and the after the divorce and what that can look like. Um, Really appreciate it. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist with Alexandra Eva May, where we dived right into a very stigmatized, taboo conversation, divorce. You know, I've noticed that there are certain conversations that people just don't want to talk about because they are just a little too intimate. But that's not how we do it on The Dude Therapist podcast. We get right into things to understand them better. And this was a very enlightening conversation for me as someone in a relationship who has not been divorced, but works with couples and individuals who are currently going through divorce or have been divorced and the emotions and trauma that goes into it. What a great episode. Thank you so much for listening. Check her out, The Splendid Path on Instagram, on her website, where she has a wonderful blog talking about all things wellness and divorce. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And as always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, ideas, thoughts, collaborations, Email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of the Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, 
and wellness topics, and really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week and see you next time on the Dude Therapist Podcast. We've got more guests and more great content coming your way.